the words of those songs, Lord, that song that was played, we sang it first, but the words are so true. Heaven did come down, and glory filled our soul. We've come through the season of celebrating that, the birth of our Savior, where literally God came down and took on the form of man. He shrouded Himself in flesh. He breathed air that was not normal for Him to breathe because He left the glory of heaven where there is no sin and He came to this earth. And He dwelt among sinful men. He breathed our air in order that He may touch our infirmities. And we rejoice in that. For we realize too that without Him we could do nothing. Life has no meaning if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. And though our society may not agree with us on that point, but yet we stand upon the very Word of God whereby we know that He is exalted. The King is exalted on high. We thank You, Lord, for a miracle that even stands in, 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 in our midst today. We rejoice that uh, Marlene is with us. She's been through some things, Lord, and you know the whole story. But she's here this morning, and we thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, for the direction of doctors and the wisdom that they will need to have in order to minister to her physically. But I'm really glad, Lord, that you're ministering to her spiritually. For her strength is in you. Her resolve and her life is centered around the one who loves her and saved her, and that's Jesus Christ. And I pray for her, for she and for Will, as they again wait upon you for the next step that must be taken. Pray that you would guide them. Encourage them. Yea, Lord, even lift them up for your glory. Lord, I thank you for the, your word and the power of it. Realizing full well that it, it, it is that valuable that it can lead us and give us instruction in all areas of life. And as we open your word today, I thank you, Lord, that it is like a glorious river, a river of life that never ends, 
For not one jot nor tittle will pass away. The heaven and earth will pass away, but your word never will. Because you are the word. You're the word that came down. And dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. The glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. So as we share your word this morning, as we hear your word this morning, I pray that your spirit would teach us your word this morning. Guide us into all truth, O Lord God. Help us to know and to understand. Help us to be strengthened by it, encouraged by it. Help us, O Lord God, to live by it. For it is your precious word. I thank you for these people that you've allowed me the privilege to stand before. And so what we lack this morning, I pray, O God, that you would provide. What we do not yet know, I pray, O God, that you would teach us. That your name, and only your name, will be glorified. And we will praise you and thank you in your name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to dovetail on an announcement that Nolan gave. The announcement that deals with the Ignite ministry that will be gathering tonight. That they're going to be viewing the the film Overcomer. And they'll be meeting here tonight at the church downstairs and viewing it on a a big screen. Uh, However that works out, I have no idea. Electronically, all I know how to do is is flip a switch and plug. That's all I know. But uh, they're going to be here tonight, so teenagers, you make sure that you're you're here with them. Uh, From the reviews that I have read concerning that particular movie, you will not be disappointed. It's a great, great film. You will, you will love it. The other thing I want to share with you tonight, or today, excuse me, not tonight, uh, today, is that in two weeks, and that's on the 26th of this month, there will be a candidate here to, uh, for, for you to question, for you to get to know, a candidate that will be focusing in on the ministry of students, and young adult ministry. It's been a journey for since March that the search committee has been engaging in. And from March to the end of November, we sense that the Lord has directed us to a particular candidate, and that candidate will be here on the 26th. We're hoping and trusting that we'll work some things out that... Um, You'll be able to get in touch with that individual, he and his wife and children, and you'll be able to get to know them and talk to them. And, and uh, I guarantee you that from the interview that we had with this person, committee members as we had with this person a, a number of weeks ago, we were convinced that that was the person that we need to bring before you. And so now, now it's up to you that uh, you will have an opportunity to, to question him, 
you'll have an opportunity to throw theological questions at him, and I hope some of you do. Uh, he, this individual needs to stand on his own and uh, be relative to you. And we're also working out maybe some details that we can get together with them, uh, some evenings and such as that. They're going to be here for a little while. And so anticipate that uh, that will happen. That's going to be on the 26th, two weeks from today, just to give you a heads up of that. There are some sermons I wish I didn't have to preach. But, and this is one of them. It's not that it's theologically impossible to understand. No, we're not going to dwell into whether man is trichotomy or dichotomy. No, we're not going to get into that. But we're going to get into another phase of the family. And just to bring you back to speed, in November we, we left this topic because we were focusing more on the holiday season. But we're back at it today because we want to make sure that we finish one family under God. That's our, that's our hope. And, and this morning we're going to discuss with you from the biblical perspective of, of children. Fathers, you may remember, husbands, you may remember from Genesis chapter 2, we're made from dirt. Remember that? God picked up some dirt and breathed into it and, and, and you became alive. But our wives are fashioned by God. But now we have children. And the reason I, I, I stand before you and have a difficult time in doing this because I stand before you as an imperfect father. I didn't always get it right. And I would really love if someone in this congregation who got it all right would like to come up here and preach this. Here, here, here's my notes. And, and I'll sit down and learn from you. But at least dads and husbands, can I get an amen from you that none of us are perfect? I heard some wives in that too. <laughs> that might be a sermon for another time, but uh, this morning we're going to discuss children. But what's interesting is the Apostle Paul uses the word children in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, but the, the Greek word that's translated children there literally means offspring, which means all of us. In fact, here's a news flash for all of you. You were once children, and most of you are still children of parents. Nancy and I, we have one parent left in our family, and that's Nancy's mom. She's the only one that has not gone into the presence of the Lord. And so we're almost at that age where our parents are no longer here. So then a gauntlet still falls on us to be good parents and good grandparents, which, by the way, if I knew, and you've all heard this before, if I knew how much fun grandchildren would be, I'd have had them first. And we also share with our children that 
the Lord has blessed you the way that you blessed us. Because you got a child that's just like you. You deal with it. But this morning, I want to just pull some things out of the particular text of Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 1 that deal with us, all of us. The text says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Children. Offspring. It doesn't take us long to see in our culture today that there is apparently a, a reversal of roles. I share with you that there are some Walmart stores that we do not go in. Not that I'm against Walmart. But there are some Walmart stores that we don't go into because it frustrates me to hear children yelling at their parents and disrespecting them. Sometimes when you go into homes, you really want to know or at least wonder who really is in charge. Are, are the, the parents in charge, or are the children in charge? Our, our culture has set the stage for this present generation to disrespect authority. Now, if you might remember, if you're as old as I am, when we would go to school, we would always refer to our teachers as Mr. or Mrs. We never thought about calling them by their first name. We wouldn't have even considered referring to our parents as the old man or the old lady. That would never have been the situation. Statistics are alarming as to what is happening in our culture. The number of teenagers that are arrested is amazing. But what is even more amazing, just most recently in New York City, the most active degree of evil activity is being done by teenagers and pre-teenagers, 11 and 12-year-olds. Activity such as theft, such as abuse, such as buying and selling of 
unfortunately, in, in our schools and in, in other society situations, we want to instruct children how to have such things as safe sex. And so much so, it's even propagated that we have to provide for them instruments for safety. Our society is changing the roles. In fact, presently, I I remember growing up that... When we would walk down the street, my friend and I in our teenage years, and there would be an older couple walking toward us, we would be the ones who would split and let them through. Today, it's they split, so they can go through. What has happened to our society is that the forces of darkness are attacking the family in order to bring about non-respect, dishonor. And if he can do that, then he can destroy our society. I remember driving a little while ago and seeing a bumper sticker on the back of of a car that was driven by someone much younger than I, And the bumper sticker said, question all authority. What do we do as a family? What do we do as a church? How is it that we turn the tide, so to speak, in order that our families are strengthened, which strengthens our church, which strengthens our community, which strengthens our state, which strengthens our nation? How do we stem the tide? I know a lot of what we're going to be speaking of this morning might be relative to teenagers, but again, I want to warn you that the Apostle Paul uses a word that doesn't describe an age, it describes a person, which is all offspring, all of us. What are we to do? Well, the first thing it says in Ephesians, or, yeah, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, as it begins, children, obey. Obey. Obedience. I guess the question is this, is why is it then important for children to obey their parents? One of the primary reasons is, is that... God's kingdom, there's a fundamental distinction between a child and a parent. Let me try to explain that in a broader context. Our God is transcendent. In other words, he is far and above all of his creation. Everything is underneath him. 
though he is actively involved in his creation, that would fulfill his eternal plan for his honor and for his glory, yet he is still far above that. He's in a class all by himself. We dare not use words that, that God is my buddy. No, that's not relative to him. He is God. The God above all gods. The King above all kings. The ruler above all rulers. And yet, even in the family... Parents are above their children. There are certain qualities that parents have that children do not yet have. Parents have experience. Teenagers, listen to me. Uh, Look at your mom and dad, and I'm going to tell you something about them. They've rowed the boat before you even got in. They've walked the street even before you took your first step. They've put the plows in the ground even before you got your hands dirty with mud. In other words... They've been around. They know what's going on. And you may be thinking that your parents don't know what you're doing. Guess what? They do because they did it. I thought at least that would bring a little bit of laughter from the congregation. But apparently the Holy Spirit bringing conviction right now. So I've got to leave that alone. There is a hierarchy in the family. But here's the other thing, too, children, that's this. Your parents aren't against you. God is transcendent beyond us, but he's not against us. He wants to integrate his his own glory and who he is in our everyday lives. He, He longs for that. Parents, you're not against your children. But one of the things that parents are supposed to be about is they are to be a filter system. They are to keep things out of the family to protect their children. That's why sometimes you come home and say to your parents, can I do this? And they say no, and your comeback is, but Johnny and Susie are doing it. And the reason you're not doing it is because your parents know that's not a good thing to do. They're a filter system. That's why you can't watch certain shows. That's why you can't have certain magazines. That's why you can't go where you want to go. 
Do what you want to do. Am I speaking to just teenagers or am I, you parents, you with me? Oh, thank God. There is this hierarchy. And so when the Apostle Paul says, children, offspring, obey your parents. Why? The text tells us why. First of all, it says, the reason we do that is because in the Lord. In the Lord. We obey our parents in the Lord. Now, if you remember our previous discussions between the relationship of fathers, husbands, mothers, wives, you'll recognize that the Apostle Paul references that in the Lord as it relates to the other parts of the family. Wives, respect your husband as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. In other words, in order to know how to do those things, it's in reference to our relationship with Jesus Christ. In all three of the branches of the family, if we don't do those things as unto the Lord or in the Lord, we are literally slapping the face of God. And saying, no, I won't. It's almost like creating a coup in the kingdom of God. God has established it this way. For the purpose of his honor and glory. For the purpose of blessing the world. And when we don't, as husbands, love our wives... When wives, when you don't respect your husband, when children, when we don't obey our parents, we are slapping God in the face. Because all of that is relevant in a picture of our relationship with Jesus Christ. The second reason why we are to obey our parents is because it is right. Children, offspring, obey your parents in the Lord because it is, or for it is, right. That word right there is in reference to righteousness, which means living with the purpose of doing God's will. It's right. And God dwells in righteousness. Everything that he does is right. Everything he says is right. 
It is one of the central attributes of God himself. He is righteous in all that he does. And when we obey our parents, we are honoring God because of his will. But I must have a disclaimer here. Teenagers, offspring, if you are getting instructions from your parents that do not match the principles of the Word of God, what do you do? What do you do? Well, first of all, heaven forbid a believer person parent telling a child to do something contrary to the word of God. We didn't get to verse 4. But verse 4 said, Fathers, don't you dare cause your children to be exasperated. In other words, what you are saying, you better be doing. Because if you exasperate your children, in other words, you're giving them information or living a life contrary to the word of God, you're going to mess them up. The statement, do as I say, don't do as I do, does not float in the family of God. It doesn't make it. That's not an excuse. No. Our children watch us. And they want to make sure that what we're saying, we're doing. Those of you that have children old enough to drive now, have you noticed that they drive like you? Dads, don't be shaking your head. Dad. Oh, they got the window down. They got their arm out the window. They lean in that way with one hand on the steering wheel. Can I get an amen from the teenagers here today? They learning that. Our second older daughter drives like her mother. Fast. Oh, yeah, they're watching. They're watching. We obey offspring. We obey because it's in the Lord and it's right. But that's only the first. I've got seven minutes to do the second. Not only are we offspring to obey what we are to honor. We are to honor our parents. We, we honor our parents in three different ways. First, 
we, we honor them emotionally. In other words, we, we spend time with them. We respect them emotionally. Nursing homes today are full of parents who have been forgotten by their children. Our, our last matriarch lives in a nursing facility because she cannot be in her own apartment. But it wasn't until two years ago that mom had her own apartment on the second floor, walking stairs. Now she can't feed herself. She's in a facility whereby Nancy's youngest brother is there every day. He feeds her at night. He gets her ready for bed. He puts her in bed. And then he leaves. We get the privilege of being able to travel there to see mom. We spend time with her. It's because we respect her. We never call her Eunice. We never say, hey you. We're there calling her by her proper office. She's mom. Offspring respect their parents or honor their parents emotionally by spending time with them. The second thing that we do as offspring to our parents is we honor them verbally. We honor them verbally. Teenagers, I'm just going to lay this out here for you. If Pastor Doug ever hears you call your parents by their first name, you and I are going to have a come-to-Jesus meeting. They have respect verbally, honor. You give them honor by saying, even to the extent of saying, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. Wherever we go, I don't care who serves me, whether they're younger than me or not, I still refer to them as yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. And I'm always asked, were you ever in the military? I said, no, but I had a single mother who taught me respect. So I'm just warning all of you teenagers. If I hear you, Call your parents by their first name. We're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. I'm older than you, but I'm like your parents. They brought you into this world, but I can help them take you out. It's honor our parents 
by respect. They've earned it. Oh, you may not like all that your parents have given to you. You may not understand all that they require from you, but they still hold a position that demands respect. You honor them emotionally, verbally, and lastly, financially. Financially. We're called in the Scriptures that children, we are to provide for our parents if they need that. If they need that help, we need to help provide for them. But I want to close with this. There is a blessing. It says this in verse 3, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. We haven't taken the time to go back into the Old Testament, but there's this wonderful account in the life of Elijah. He's walking down the street in in 2 Kings, and there are lads, that Hebrew word lads means young men. And they were making fun of Elijah. And as they were doing that, Elijah turns around and curses them in the name of God. And after that, right after that, a female bear comes out of the woods and rips 40 of them apart. They didn't last long on this earth. Because they were not showing honor. When God says that there's a blessing in obeying and honoring, you do not yet know all that God can bless you with. But the text says that if you honor and obey your parents, the life that God has determined the length that you should stay will not be shortened. And you will be blessed. Why? Because if you learn obedience, if we learn obedience and honor, we won't be like the society who's running toward destruction. We'll be blessed by God. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. It's time to get the family back in alignment for the purpose of glorifying God and having his blessing fall upon us. And we do not yet know 
what the Lord can do. But it will be for his honor and glory. Let's pray together. Our glorious Savior, we thank you for your word. I trust that it has found good soil to plant itself. And the reality of it is that what you have designed to be family, our society, forces of darkness have tried to destroy. But if we would take it seriously and reestablish and realign our family, the scripture says that there's a blessing yet to behold. And may that be true. May it become a reality here at Grace Community Church, the families of Grace Community Church, the community that surrounds Grace Community Church, and the state in which we live, and the nation which we are part of. That's the ripple effect of honoring and obeying our parents. And for your glory, Lord, may that be our desire. Amen.